Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Let's give God some praise together this morning, church, and you can take your seats. And just high five 23 people as you grab your seats. So, so good. Well, I want to share today, everybody, a message called a new metric for success. A new metric for success. This is really a little bit of a look at a biblical perspective on success because heading into a new year, if you're anything like me or like most people I know, you're heading into 2023 with some aspirations, some dreams, some things you want to improve, some things you want to do, some goals to kick. But hey, we've got to be so careful to not be endeavouring to succeed in the ways of the world or what the world might deem a success. Successful. We want to succeed and go forward in the things of God and what it is that God would want us to succeed in in 2023. So that's what I'm going to preach on this morning. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And this is the rich young ruler. Any rich young rulers in the house today? That's good. The first service, there was like eight people. It was a bit strange. All right, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honour your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What an what a interesting passage this is here where we have this young man who I would say is, is being successful. He is rich. And what we read from the word is he is obedient. He's obeying the commandments. Yet there's something else that has his heart. Jesus gives him this instruction, which he doesn't give to all of us, but he certainly gave to this young man, which is to sell everything and to give it to the poor. Now, if you feel that that's what God's laid on your heart to do for you, you go right ahead, be blessed. But this is not an instruction that is for everybody. Jesus had some insight into this young man's heart that the, the stumbling block for him to truly follow Christ was in fact his wealth, his material possessions, his money. This rich young ruler was obedient to the commandments. He had some wealth, yet there was something else that had his heart. We can see in this scripture right there that success is not in your material possessions. It's not even in you being able to hold your head up high and say, I am in keeping with all of the commandments. It's in fact having a heart that's completely sold out to the ways of Christ. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 13 tells a similar story. And it says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This story is about a man, again, who by the world's standards, maybe even by what we would deem as successful, he is being successful. He has these barns. He's got so much surplus that he has a great idea to tear them down, build bigger ones, and get to a position in his life where he can sit on a chair, drink up, enjoy life, and be merry. I'm pretty sure I've seen T-shirts with that very slogan on it. I'm pretty sure at many a restaurant, it'll say, drink up, eat, sit down, be merry, whatever. Unfortunately, this is what many people in my generation are aspiring to have in life today. They want to work their way to a point where they can sit down, relax, eat and be merry. I meet 25 year olds that are working to try and have that next week. But we see in God's Word that is not a godly desire. This man is called a fool. Yet many people would call him a successful businessman. Many people would call this man flourishing, yet the Word of God calls him a fool. Why is that? It's because your life is not here to create material things for you to just win and win and sit down. Life as a believer is for you to have a purpose. As a Christian, we cannot be deceived and see our flourishing as an opportunity for us to sit down, have an early retirement and enjoy our surplus. That will deceive you into missing out on the purpose that God has for your life. We are to not sit down and enjoy what we have. We are to serve God passionately and we can't do that sitting in a chair. Heading into the new year, maybe your goal before this message (laughs) was to sit down, relax, Eat and be merry. You might have to scrub, scrub, that, scrub that out, crunch that piece of paper up and have a bit more of a godly look at, hey, what is it God wants me to do in 2023? What does success look like according to the Word of God? And you know, every January, most people will do that kind of exercise. They will reflect and say, how am I doing? Am I doing well? Am I being successful? I was talking to someone in the, the health industry and they were talking about the amount of memberships that are added to a gym in January and then how many of those memberships, are, are the, the people that activate them, they never go back through, I think it was June till like September ever again, then it gets cut off. It was like an astronomical number. And I was going to laugh, but I've been one of those people, so I didn't. 
But we all have a goal or an aspiration or something. Hey, I'm gonna give this a red hot bash. I wanna win this year. I wanna flourish this year. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to actually be successful? Because clearly in the Word of God there, we've just had two people who from the external look like they're doing pretty good. But there are clearly things there, stumbling blocks. He's called a fool. He's missing out on what God really has for him. You know, the, the, the word success means the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. Now, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. True success in your life is the accomplishment of that purpose, of God's plan, not necessarily the accomplishment of your plan for your life. True success is the accomplishment of God's plan and purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you and He wants to partner with you in seeing that accomplished. We can do that by getting in agreement with God, getting in agreement with God and His Word. God wants you to be successful, but perhaps not in the way that you think that means. God wants you to flourish, but again, perhaps not in the way that you'd like. In 2023, everybody, don't get distracted or be working tirelessly, trying to hit the wrong metrics. God's perspective on success and doing well is very different to our own. God's definition of success is very different to ours. So what do you look to to get your perspective on success? If you don't make that decision, everybody, if you don't make a decision about who decides that in your life, culture will do it for you. You'll never feel good enough, attractive enough, rich enough. How funny is this? Skinny enough or buff enough, young enough or old enough, cool enough, influential enough. You know, our culture clearly doesn't have the answer. People within themselves never have the answer. And we actually have it backwards. So we work really hard. Maybe you connect with this. We work really hard to flourish externally often at the detriment of our internal. So we want the appearance to be amazing. I want to look good, sound good, maybe even smell good. I want to have the right car, the right style, the right places that I go. I don't just go out to breakfast anywhere. I go to this place and I get a really good picture and it's got the right caption. It's not too much. Got a good filter on it. You know, it's the, I've got to be in this field, in this career. I can't be seen to be failing. It's all external, external, external at the detriment of the unseen, which is often our, our, our morals, our integrity, our relationships, our soul, our walk with God. God wants it the other way around where we are flourishing internally, sometimes at the detriment of the external. Sometimes flourishing in God looks like not having everything. Sometimes flourishing in God looks like on the outside that you're not balling, you're not hooping, you're not the man. But that's okay because internally you're close with God. Your integrity is in there. You're, you're walking according to the Word of God. God wants you to flourish internally sometimes at the detriment of the external. But that's okay. But it won't feel okay if your priorities are off. You know, when I was a, a young kid, I used to find that grades would really erode at my sense of success and doing well. Um, I wasn't always the most academic kid. I wasn't always great at sport. I was okay. 
And I remember sometimes getting a really good grade. If I got like anything like a B and upwards, it's amazing how I'd get that grade and it was like God felt close. The sun was shining. I wanted to empty the dishwasher. I came to church and oh, the worship, incredible. Open the Word of God, things jumping off the page. But it's amazing how if I got like a D minus or a see me after class, Jordan, it was like, God's gone. Church sucks. Dad can empty the dishwasher. But external things, grades were really infecting my internal perspective on success. Same with social media. And certainly when I was in, in high school, I wrestled a lot with insecurity and it was about, you know, how tall I was. I wasn't very tall in high school. I actually had, this is probably oversharing, I had my big growth spurt after high school, which is a bit strange, so late bloomer, as they say. But I wasn't very tall. I felt like I was really chubby. I didn't have cool clothes. And I used to exhaust myself and, and get anxious and go to bed stressed like, I've got to get those new shoes. I've got to get that World Industries hoodie. I've got to get all the cool stuff. You know, I started putting gel in my hair. Then I found out that matte wax was actually in. So I got rid of the gel, got the wax back. Couldn't keep up. And you know, then social media came out. At the time, it was MySpace. And I would spend hours trying to make my life look epic on MySpace. So like, if you'd have looked at my life and then looked at me, you'd have been like, who's that? <laughs> I'd spend ages, you know, it was about getting the right clothes for the photo, then getting the right photo, then putting the right filter on the photo, the right caption. It's exhausting. It was all trying to chase this external success. You know, for some, it can be the travel. It can be the house, the car, all those sorts of things, the group of people that you hang out with. Some, it's the bank balance, and some it's the assets, but external success is really the material. The Word of God speaks to this. It says to get our eyes off the, the uh, what is it? And put our eyes on the eternal. So one of the pastors helped me out. Praise God. The things above. Amen. But the Scripture encourages us to focus on the things that are unseen. So the condition of our heart, our eternity, our soul. Sometimes being in the will of God requires us to be asset-less. You know, there's many stories in Scripture like this, but many stories today where God would place a call on somebody's life to sell up and move and let everything go that they have, sell the car, pack it all up and go and serve God somewhere. If they're looking at success as material and external, they would never make that move. But when they understand that it takes being in the will of God for my life, being asset-less is often right in smack bang in the, in the will of God. Sometimes being statusless is being in the will of God for your life. Now, what we've got to be careful of is uh, not saying, hey, I'm statusless and assetless for the glory of God when it's really just our own poor choices or our lack thereof. Or we say, one of the ways I don't let money get a hold of me is I just don't have any. That's not good. Or the way I... The way I surrender my relationships to God is I don't have any. That's not healthy. Sometimes we try and find viewpoints to support us not changing or growing. And so we need to not do that. What I'm speaking of is sometimes we need to let all of that go in order to be in the will of God for our lives. Many people in Scripture had nothing but the call of God. Uh, Apostle Paul's a great example of this. Many people had nothing but their relationship with God, their relationship with other believers. 
Many people in Scripture who we would say these guys were legends in the faith, greatly used by God. We know about it because it's in the Bible, but it was unseen at the time. It was odd. It was strange. It was celebrated by many few, but certainly celebrated by God. They had an understanding of what true success was. Let's just read some scripture together. Proverbs 3 verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is a great passage. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Some of you are worrying about lunch right now. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love how disarming that passage of Scripture is for you and I, because you're like, I'm worried about my finances, I'm worried about my clothes, I'm worried about my food, I'm worried about tomorrow. And this is just peeling all of that away. Peeling it all away. You get to the end of that passage and you're kind of like, so what do I worry about then? (laughs) What am I supposed to do with all that information? Well, here's the metric for success, everybody. Are you ready? The metric for success, closeness to God, walking in His purpose. Closeness to God, walking in His purpose. Closeness to God, walking in His purpose. Closeness to God is our relationship with Him, our personal relationship with God. Am I under the Word of God? Am I receiving from Him? Am I, by His grace, endeavouring to apply the Word each and every day? With each passing day, am I looking more and more like Christ? With every day, am I getting more and more free of the sin that tries to hold me back? Closeness to God. Now, that closeness to God has a great purpose behind it. The closer I get to God, the more like Christ I become, the more like Christ I can do. The more work of God I can do in my life, the more freedom I can bring to others as I bring the power and the presence of God wherever I go. And I love the story of the, uh, the, the, when, when Jesus reveals Himself to Peter and John on the mountain. 
And immediately they, they say, hey, let's build tents and we can just stay up here in your presence. But they actually get sent back down the mountain and immediately go into ministry. And I love this picture. It's where you have this encounter with God. You're in the presence, the power of God. You're getting a revelation of who He is and His power. And often we just want to make that the goal. We're like, let's just stay in the presence. And this is why you often might hear Pastor Jared not be so stoked on the idea of just soaking in the presence because it's great to get a revelation of God to then serve God. So it's about getting off the mountain and doing, that's what I'm talking about. It's the, our, our closeness to God and being in His purpose. Our closeness to God fuels us to do the purpose that He has for us. So it's no longer looking at our possessions as success. It's not looking at our bank balance, looking at our influence, looking at our position, our status. It's looking at, am I close to Jesus? And am I walking in His purpose for my life? Naturally, out of that, great and good things happen. When we have the wrong metric for success, we can be in emptiness, yet for a season think we're really hitting it. I'll give you an example. Sometimes we go, hey, the target is this car, this amount of money, and uh, you know, this position. We get those three things, and for three months, we're like, this is the bomb. I am flourishing with a capital F. And then three months later, you're... <laughs> Three months later, you're like, I'm feeling flat with a capital F. Because again, we've gone after the wrong metrics and it leaves you feeling empty. But guys, don't be deceived for a season. It will feel fantastic. You do that round the world trip. You get that car. You get maybe, I don't know, overnight, 50,000 people start following you on social media. You're like, this is amazing for three minutes. And then the next day you're like, what is the point? Also, when we have the wrong metric, we feel defeated that we're not hitting the mark of something that doesn't even matter. Sometimes we're going, I'm not doing well because X, Y, Z. But X, Y, Z doesn't even matter. But when we get the right one, everybody, when we say, hey, the metrics for success in my life are my closeness to Jesus and being in His purpose. You know what comes with that? Great sense of peace, a great sense of purpose and fulfilment and a great sense of His grace helping you in everything that you do. The right metric, closeness to God, walking in His purpose. You know, like most things in Scripture, God's way is the opposite of what we normally think. For us to do this, you're going to look a little bit countercultural, but that's a good thing. And so I've got some things that we need to shift in our thinking as we go on this journey. I've got four points. Number one, we've got to shift from pursuing the applause of people to really understanding the acceptance of God. In 2023, don't head out to do anything seeking the applause of of people. Seeking a, you're awesome from people. Seeking a, you're an absolute legend. I can't believe you did. What an absolute champion. Don't go out seeking that. If you get that as you are in the purpose of God for your life, praise God for the encouragement, but don't go out seeking that. You won't feel the need to go out and seek that if you've really received the acceptance of God. I know that I'm accepted by God with my faults. He, he is changing me and changing my faults, but I'm accepted before God as I stand right now. Not because I'm a legend, but because of Jesus Christ. I get out of bed every day going, I'm accepted by God. If someone applauses me, awesome, but I don't need it. I don't want it. It's not a part of what I'm going for. Can I encourage you, free yourself of that. Don't be chasing the applause of people. Don't be chasing the affirmation of people. Ask God to help free you from that pursuit. It's way too exhausting. 
You can get the applause of people and work very hard for it. And within two seconds, those people are gone, applauding somebody else and you're forgotten about and then you've got to do it all over again. It is exhausting. The enemy would love to get you in that cycle and distract you from what he really wants you to do. I preached a message earlier in the year about living for an audience of one. We've got to get that revelation. When we get up in the morning, God, today I am living for you and for you alone. The good thing about that is if you live for God, naturally, you're going to be awesome. When you're like, God, I'm waking up every day with a sense of purpose because I know I'm accepted by you. I'm living for an audience of one. I'm living according to the Word. You end up just being a legend. Don't be worried that if you do that, you're going to be weird. Because the more you get into the Scripture, the more down to earth you get, right? But the more you're focused on the things above and you start to go forward in your life. Number two, We've got to make a shift from seeking to attain influence to aspiring to serve. We're in the generation of the influencer. Lots of people want to be influencers. And people are, you know, exhausting themselves again, doing all sorts of stuff to try and be an influencer. You know, we are all called to godly influence as Christians, but... We need to first be like Christ, as it says in Mark 10, 45, and come to serve. A life of service to others. It is one of the best ways that we can look like Christ, be like Christ, and again, be successful in the eyes of God is when, hey, I'm living a life to serve God, serve His church, and serve those around me. If serving those around me looks like leading those around me, praise God, but I'm not seeking to be an influencer I'm seeking to serve. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says, if you desire leadership, it's a noble desire. That's a good thing. But there's certainly examples of an unhealthy desire for leadership, an unhealthy desire for power, an unhealthy desire for a microphone. Um, And I know that because I had all three of those. I had a desire to lead, a desire to influence and a desire for a microphone. And it was unhealthy. It was coming from a place in me. I was trying to feel something in me that God was wanting to feel. But I was trying to just get out there and prove myself, be a legend. And it's so funny that like, as God began to break that in me and I gave that to God and I, I stopped caring about having power, having influence, having a microphone, I just wanted to serve. It's almost like God said, here's a microphone, here's some leadership, have a red hot crack. And I love when people don't desire that, yet God raises them up for a time and you have these beautiful, reluctant leaders that God anoints. Um, there's a great story of uh, someone in our church who was, uh, came into a leadership position and the weight and the responsibility of it was heavy and they were experiencing challenges. And they said to my mum, in fact, they said, Pastor Sue, uh, I didn't want to lead, I just wanted to help. And my mum said, well, you leading is you helping. And that very statement is a great example of why you're the right person. And that's what we need to have as a heart as Christians, everybody, is to aspire to serve, to serve God. Whatever it is you would have me do, I'm here to help. I'm part of the team. And for some of you, serving and helping might look like leading, might look like holding a microphone. If that scares you, that's a good thing, probably because you'll carry it with some reverence and some honour. But church, we've got to not desire to attain influence, but aspire to serve, aspire to serve. Number three, got to make a shift from the accumulation of assets to the releasing of them, the releasing of them. I think sometimes we treat like prosperity like a dirty word. But here's the thing, if you apply 
the scriptures about finances throughout Proverbs, just as an example. If you take 10 of them, you know, live within your means, pay your debtors, pay your taxes, all that kind of thing. Quite quickly, you'll find yourself in some good financial stewardship with some money. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just naturally going to happen. Yeah. Um, what is bad is when we see the accumulation as the goal. When finances, everybody, is a means to an end in your life. God has a purpose to you having something to give. We can't give anything if we don't have anything. And so us stewarding our finances according to the Word of God is going to position you to have something to give. There's a scripture that says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. If you're going to be able to do that, you need to have some money. You need to steward it according to the Word of God. But we have to have in our thinking that success is not the accumulation of assets, cash, Bitcoin, whatever, but the releasing of them. They are a means to an end. God is wanting to do something through your life with what you have. God wants us to prosper, but there's a why behind it. I'm always frustrated as a pastor when it's like someone's like, hey, God, God's really wanted me in this season to just have lots of money. I'm like, okay, awesome, man, why? Just, just what's on my life? I'm like, okay, why? So you need the four-year-old mentor again. Why, why, why? I just feel like I'm anointed for money. You're like, that's great, but why? There's always a why behind what, gives, what God gives you. And uh, Bianca and I, we are, I would say, a middle-class young family. And we are in a position where we feel very blessed by God. And we've got to steward what we have. And um, we were having a conversation where the other day we were just saying, man, we just feel so blessed by what God's given us. It is for a reason. It is not for us to just be like that, that scripture with the foolish man. You just go, how good is this? We've got, a, we've got a, like a, a good life. How awesome. There's a reason for it. And I've also got to keep in the back of my mind, if God tomorrow said, pack it all up, sell up and go to Morocco, we would do it. That's the mindset we've got. I'm not going to Morocco, but that's the mindset of it. Because anything God gives you is an opportunity for you to release it so that you can further the kingdom of God and His purpose in your life. It's a, it's a means to an end. It's a means to an end. Uh, if the band want to come and join me, I've just got one last point here. Uh, number four is we've got to make a shift from the making of self to the death of self. I think there's something uh, appealing to us in our flesh to be someone who's self-made. I've made something of myself. I've taken an opportunity and what I have and I've raised myself up and I've done something. It's, uh, it's very dangerous to get into that place. And you're on shaky ground as well. And it's actually counter to the gospel message. The gospel message is that I cannot do for myself what I need to be close to God, also to be like Christ, to be used by Him, to make a difference. I need God at the centre of it. It's that the acceptance of your brokenness and your fallenness that God can really move. And so when you're a Christian that's like, watch me go, it's a little bit like, oh, I don't know. It should really sound like watch me die and watch God go. Because <laughs> God is trying to shape us and make us into who He wants us to be. But it requires us surrendering and submitting and dying and dying. I, I like that joke where it's like someone who's, who won't die to themselves is like a, a, a big alive cow on the altar and God's trying to sacrifice it for His glory. We keep running off. We're just mooing, running down the hallway. 
2023, stop moving, running down the hallway, say, God, I realise that for you to do in my life what you want to do, I have to die to myself. I have to surrender. I have to say, God, my life is yours. What I own is yours. My career is yours. My dreams, my goals, my aspirations are yours. Have your way. And it's in that that God can do something great. Don't set out in 2023 to prove something either, to say, I'm going to prove myself in 2023. People around me better look out. I'm about to prove something. You know, Bianca and I say to each other a lot, if you've got nothing to, uh, pr- uh, what is it? If you've got nothing to prove, you've got nothing to lose. And Bianca often says it to me before I get up to preach. But it's this concept of like, if you're getting up there not to prove anything, you're just saying, I'm just doing this to the best of my ability before God. You're not going to set out to lose anything. And it also only comes with that revelation that God accepts me as I am and God's called me. And this is an opportunity. So once you've got that, you can say, I've got nothing to prove. Therefore, I have nothing to lose. So if you get into 2023 saying, God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to make something of myself. I'm trying to die to myself so you can do something. You've got nothing to lose. If everything fails and falls over and externally, it looks nuts, but you're like, I've given my best before God. That's success. How strange. How strange. Don't set out to establish yourself either and say, this is my year to just establish. This is who I am. This is what I do. The Bible talks about God establishing you. It talks about God with the call of God on your life as well. It's calling out the gifts in your life. Not you telling everybody what the gifts are in your life. It's about God, leaders affirming it, God calling it out. So what I'm trying to say is this. Point number four, the making of self, make a shift to the death of self. You know, um, uh, earlier in the year when we started our church in Montreal and uh, we, we announced that Pastor Spencer and Leah were going to go and be the pastors, uh, Pastor Spencer asked me to go and see him in his office and said, um, George, I'm not going to be in Montreal for a, a good few uh, months and we want to make sure we've got a pastor from Perth on the ground there preaching, encouraging everybody while we're there. Would you go uh, for three weekends? And I want to give you a big list of stuff that I'd like you to do while you're there. And so I was like super pumped. I was really excited. I was very blessed and humbled that he would ask me to do that and uh, very honoured by that. And so I'm starting to get prepped for it. He said, I'll send you an email and uh, just with a couple of bits for you to do uh, while you're there, some people to speak to, some meetings to have, get the youth ministry going. I want you to meet up with this couple and that kind of stuff. And so I got this list and it was all stuff that like I, I wouldn't say I had the experience in or that I was great at. But I, was, I, I came back to the ministry strategy that I have, which I've coined from my mum, which is just give it a red hot crack for Jesus. So it's like, I've never been to Montreal. I don't speak French. I don't know anybody there. Um, there's no reason that they should like like me. Um, and I'll tell you the truth, a couple of the jokes I cracked, they just bombed real hard. Um, but again, nothing to prove, nothing to lose. It's all good. Just give it a red hot crack for Jesus. And... Um, you know what, when I was on the plane there, I was just preparing and, and just trying to get uh, some time with God on the plane. And uh, I just kept getting a picture in my head. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me or just the stroganoff I was having on the flight digesting. But I got this picture in my head of um, just a, a, a wristwatch, one of those complex ones. I don't know if you've ever seen a nice one when they open it up, but there's hundreds of little pieces in there and they're all important. They're all doing something and it's moving in such a way that it's all working and, and, and making the, the wristwatch work. And I just felt this, this picture come to my mind and I just, I just felt in my heart, hey, I'm a, I'm a cog in the watch. And I just felt grateful, like, thank you, God, that I'm a, I'm a cog in the watch, a small cog 
playing a part in something greater, something bigger. And what I love about that picture too is that some things in the watch are never seen and some things are seen. And there'll be times in your life, everybody, where you're called to be the hands on the wristwatch that everybody sees and you're moving and grooving. Sometimes you're called to be the glass on the front. Um, Sometimes you're called to be the cog at the back that no one ever sees. And sometimes you're called to be the soldering iron a little bit that um, no one even knows about. But if you have the right perspective of success, you'll feel purpose-filled and content in that place. It might be a season for you to be the cog where you're not going to be seen, you're not going to be celebrated, you're not going to have all the gear, you're not going to have it going on, you're not going to be doing Kentucky tours in the Caribbean anytime soon. But that's okay because that is not success. Success is, am I close to God? Am I in His purpose for my life? And so I want to encourage you, be thankful for the season that God has ahead for you and receive it and allow God to do what it is that He wants to do in your life. We are blessed to be a part of the watch. If you keep trying to be the wristband that holds it all together, but you're actually called to be a cog, things will go a bit astray. Things will go haywire in your life and in others. We've all got to say, God, what is your purpose for me in this season? Help me to receive it and by your grace, do it well. And if we do that, church, we'll be in the will of God and we will be a success in 2023. Can we just stand up together, everybody? I'll just close with a scripture and just to pray. Last scripture to read is a great one in Ephesians 3 verse 20. It says, Now to Him, speaking of God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, we we try to measure success. God wants to do something immeasurable in your life. But can I encourage you as He does that? Just focus on those two things. My closeness to God, being in His purpose for my life. God has a great purpose for you. He's got a kingdom purpose for you. Something for you to do in church in 2023 and something to do out in the community. Can I encourage you, if you are somebody who's sitting in your chair, enjoying your barns, get up off the chair. The barns are for something. Sell the barns and fund a mission. I don't know what you need to do. But our, 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 our accumulation of things is actually for the releasing of them. And so have a year where you release, where you know you're accepted by God, where you're dying to self and God will do something amazing in and through your life in Jesus' Name. Just invite you to close your eyes, everybody. I'll just pray for two groups of people. And the first group is for people this morning. And that message really resonated with you. Maybe you can acknowledge in your own life you've had the wrong metric of success. Maybe you've been tirelessly chasing status or money or influence or a career. And this morning you feel God just saying, hey, give it to me, focus on me. And you this morning just want the Holy Spirit to help you on that journey in 2023. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. Saying that message resonated with you and you're saying, God, would you help me get that right metric of success? Help me to look look to you. Let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you for each hand raised here this morning. I just pray, Lord, right now, do a great work in their heart and in their mind and in their spirit. Help them this year, Father, to look to you. Help them, Father, to get that right metric of success, God, in, in looking to you, God, being close to you and being in your purpose. Father, continue to speak to them about what it is you'd have them do this year. Make, Father, the season ahead a fruitful one, God, and help them not to get caught up in the allure of the world, Father, in the culture. Help them to get a hold, Father, of what's in your heart. And I just pray, God, that 2023 would be blessed, Lord, and that they would be successful, God, in the right way, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can pop your hands down and just invite you to keep your eyes closed, everybody. I would love to give everyone here this morning an opportunity to begin a relationship with God. I talked about real success being closeness to God and drawing near to God. You know, before we draw near to God in a greater way, we've got to first begin a relationship with Him. And you can do that this morning. Scripture teaches us that God has already made the first move. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He is reaching out to you today. And all we need to do is respond and receive from Him. He is extending towards you new life, salvation, forgiveness of sins. Will you today respond and begin a relationship with God at the start of this new year to head into it knowing that you are accepted and loved and called by God. So if that's you here this morning, you want to begin a relationship with God today, on the count of three, just shoot your hand up. I'd love to pray with you today. One, two, three, right across the room if you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, today I want to begin a relationship with God. I know God's reaching out to me. I want to respond this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. Whether it's your first time, you've been many times. If you know this is for you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Awesome, I see that hand there. Don't leave today, everybody, not knowing where you stand with God. Respond to Him this morning. Reach out to Him. Don't miss this opportunity. So good. Okay, pop your hands down. We're just going to pray a short prayer uh, for those people that raise their hands. We're going to do what the Bible teaches us in Romans. We're going to believe in our heart. We're going to confess with our mouths through prayer. And as we do, we just believe that God is going to supernaturally begin a great work in your life. And so I guess you to repeat after me. And church, why don't you pray as well? And we're just going to put words to what God's doing in your heart in this moment. So say, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your free gift of salvation. I'm sorry, God, for living life my own way. Help me from today to live for you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those people, everyone. So, so good. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.